with Nurkic, the touches that Nurkic got but for making teams pay, where they extend out when guys come off down screens, the way they extend out on ball screens, that ball needs to get into the middle of the floor. Nurkic really made them pay tonight. Grayson Allen has been sensational for them all year. I have praised him because he is more than just a shooter. He's a very good basketball player that has found his perfect spot. And then this addition of Royce O'Neal Scott is one of those ones that's kind of slipped under the wire at the trading deadline. Great pickup because ultimately he can guard as well as a Kogi, but he's a much more consistent shooter. And you saw that today. It's Tim Legler, ESPN on the Suns offense, kind of opening eyes uh, and uh, opening eyes in that game. Sunday against the Lakers, we talked a lot about it yesterday, Bick, the amount of balance that the Suns were able to uh, get offensively. Five starters, everybody had 18 points or more. That is not a recipe, in my opinion, that you can uh, duplicate. But when the opportunity presents itself and the Lakers were kind of pressing other guys to make Mm -hmm. shots, and they did, you you take those results. But uh, let's go back to the Royce O'Neal factor. We Mm -hmm. had talked about uh, O'Neal coming over in that trade. And a good job by the Suns' front office and James Jones and Josh Bartlestein to identify and acquire somebody who was going to contribute for you and basically giving up four guys who were doing nothing for you at the end yeah. of the bench. Yeah, smart trade when you look at it like that. Yeah, yeah no, I, again, I think that the, the Royce O'Neal thing, there's a, there's a reason why he looked appealing from afar because it looked like he was exactly the kind of guy uh, the Suns needed, somebody that would play legitimate perimeter defense, um, possession by possession. And, and look, the NBA, it, it's really interesting because the NBA is full of guys that won't play defense. They're full of guys that are uh, good occasionally on defense that make commitments to being better defenders, but that commitment eventually wanes. It might be a matter of weeks. It might be um, a season that they really hone in on their defense. And, and then there's a small group of guys that play it constantly mm-hmm. at, at the level that um, makes you elite. And Royce O'Neal is is one of those guys and you can watch him you can watch him when the Suns play. He he is completely alert. His head is up. He's you know in passing lanes. He's he's very active defensively, mentally and physically. And 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 there's not a lot of guys like that in the NFL or in the NBA because guys don't like playing defense in the NBA. They kind of turn it on when when, when it's a high leverage situation. That's certainly right. that's what That's a right. lot of them do. There's mm-hmm. one more from uh, Tim Legler on the offense uh, and how it looked against the Lakers. This was the one game I would submit if I wanted to say this is what an offense that Phoenix can run can look like that could be unstoppable. I just thought this was a flow to it. Fewer difficult shots. And I feel like when I watch the Phoenix Suns a lot of nights, it is it is Booker, it is Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal when he plays, making a lot of tough shots. Tonight, it was incredible inclusion. They had in-outs today offensively, meaning they beat guys off the dribble and it wasn't an automatic pull-up 15-footer mm-hmm. or it wasn't a guy trying to finish it Rim. It was middle area of the floor, collapse, kick out, make teams chase, multiple of those on the same possessions. That's when now you start to look like Denver at their best. You look like Boston at their best. Like you look like some of these teams. I haven't felt that way about Phoenix that much. I did today, and they didn't have Bradley Beal, but the flow was what it takes. To, to play against these teams and get to the number you have to every night. Yeah, and that should be the, I, I, in my opinion, that should be the goal offensively is to kind of duplicate the flow of what that offense looked like, regardless of well, of what personnel you have out there. But Those, again, the previous two games were a ton of ISO stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, well, and and so it's now incumbent upon these guys to make these shots. And mm-hmm. and that and even Devin Booker said this the other day, that if, if teams are really going to continue to double team and swarm their stars, and I, I don't know why they wouldn't, then this is what it's got to look like. That's why, to me, that 
that balance thing, even though you said it might not be easy to duplicate, that to me is the model for the Suns because that is how you have to beat teams that are double-teaming Book and KD. Mm-hmm. And it makes it more difficult when Bradley Beal comes back into the flow, certainly. Uh, you were on the other side of the floor, and you mentioned Royce O'Neal being a, a, you know, a, a mm-hmm. max effort defender, and there's not a lot of those guys. You ran across something that I found very interesting, and you told me about this before the show, and I went, wow, that's pretty damning stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has to do with Devin Booker. Uh, basketball Index puts out like a player bio, key talent metric grades. And on Devin Booker's, uh, A- minus on three-point shooting, A-plus on playmaking, which might surprise some people, uh, A-minus on finishing, offensive impact, A-plus, defensive impact, F. F. Now, that, that this is statistical-based, not opinion-based, right? Yes, that's what base basketball index is about. And, All and, kinds of metrics. And, and, right, and I think if you read about what the explanation is, is that his, his defense has been very soft, particularly on point of attack, in, in terms of if a guy is in front of him, he's too often letting that guy blow by him and get into the lane and then create deficit situations for the defense, where now the Suns' defense are the ones chasing the basketball. I thought that was very interesting, too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> because it, because you know what? Because you know what? That that kind of affirms what I just said. Devin Booker's one of these guys that there was a there was a, a a chunk of his career recently where he really locked in on being a, a both a two way player, both ends yeah. of the floor, and he was really good at it. But he's also an elite scorer in the NBA, and asking the asking guys to do both at at the highest level, who does that? What player of Devin Booker's size is Elite two ways, both ways. There's a very small list of them. And, and we're talking historically. Yeah, very small list. Yeah. Very small. So, and, and, so, and I'm not talking about the guys that, that find it easy to play good defense. I would look at Giannis as a guy that it's, it's easier for him to play good defense based on his position, his size, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But his a guy. Freakish athleticism. Right, exactly. If you're 6'6 like Devin Booker, you got to work at it. And, and so I think what that grade is, is that some of that effort probably has slipped when it comes to Book. Yeah, I mean. There's times where it still shines, but you know when when and I don't, I don't break down, like I, I don't pay that much attention as as much attention to the defensive side of the ball as the offensive side of the ball, especially with a player like Devin Booker. Is it noticeable? Yes, and I know Bright Side of the Sun wrote about this, mm-hmm. and they pointed out the Basketball Index mm-hmm. data that they found. It's something to keep an eye on looking forward now. Well, it, yeah, again, these it's games just, it's are a higher leverage. Grade. Yeah, it's a start. It's a startling grade, but it's based on metrics, and the the offensive grades are exactly what you'd think they would be. So it's not something to just scoff at, like Suns fans like to do. Look at it with clear eyes instead of just lashing out at, at somebody saying something you don't want to hear. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, it's also troubling if if it's totally true and plays out because. We already talked about Bradley Beal, not the greatest defender by reputation. And, and that's, see, and this is kind of what happens to basketball teams. If you, if you get players on, on a team that don't go at it 100%, then a, another guy might go, I, I'm not going to be the only guy who does this. I'm not going to be the only guy who's chasing around you know, players on both ends of the court. 
Yeah, and if you look at you know where the sun and what Devin Booker got used to playing with, I mean Chris Paul is still a very good defensive point guard at, mm-hmm. at that point of his career, even even last year. DeAndre Ayton, for all of his faults and for all the criticism he took, was a pretty competent defensive player and was mm-hmm. often referred to as the anchor defensively for the Suns. Uh, before the Kevin Durant trade, you got used to playing with Mikel Bridges, who was a stopper. And Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder before that, very good defensive mm-hmm. player. Um, so, you know, this year it's it's a different mix of characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, adding Royce O'Neal to the mix, I think, helps things. Mm-hmm. Josh Okogie can't, he can't consistently shine on that end of the floor because of his deficiencies offensively, but he mm-hmm. does make a difference. But I, I wouldn't call this a great defensive team. No, I, that's, I think that's very much panned out. Now, Bright Side of the Sun, in the story we're citing from, also said that in in week 18, the week that just passed, the, the Suns were 1-2, and two, and the win against the Lakers kind of was the cosmetic, if you will, kind of brought some hope back into mm-hmm. the picture. Their offensive rating for those three games was 10th. Which is, mm, you'd expect more from an offense like the Suns, but then again, Bradley Beal's been gone. Their defensive rating was 22nd. Their net rating was minus 1.3, which is 16th in the league. And that last stat's a little bit troubling because that's not where you're at if you're a championship-level team. But it reflects the fact that they played a couple of soft games before getting it together against the Lakers. Yeah, I, I think that totally bears right. that out, that, that net rating. It's time for Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Last week, the Arizona Diamondbacks and D-backs Academy presented the Chase Your Dreams High School Baseball Classic. The event was the annual tournament featuring 16 Phoenix-area high schools competing in two days of tournament play, a skills challenge, and the championship game. D-backs player Alec Thomas has attended the skills challenge and pitchers Tommy Henry and Joe Mantiply appeared at the championship game to take photos with teams and throw out the first pitch. Many of the schools and students who participated have also been recipients of the Chase Your Dreams program, a partnership between the Diamondbacks Foundation and Chase or the D-backs Nike RBI program, both of which support youth softball and baseball programs by providing a charitable investment and expert guidance and support. Well done to everybody involved. Character Counts presented by Parker & Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Your one-stop shop for total home comfort. Coming up next, not a lot of participation by the top wide receiver prospects at the Combine. What does it all mean for them? What could it mean for the Cardinals? We'll get into it next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Wolf. Outside of wide receiver, which position should we be watching for at the NFL Combine for the Arizona Cardinals? We'll tell you at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Diggs on a wing to the left side of Daniels. Now they'll motion Malik Neighbors out of the slot. Right to left, looking to throw it to Malik. Got it near side, 25. Gets the sideline, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Fighting Tigers. Oh, Malik Neighbors, touchdown, something he did a lot in uh, partnership with Jaden Daniels at LSU last year. Malik Neighbors, one of the top wide receiver prospects in this year's NFL draft. Receivers will take the uh, field in Indianapolis at the Combine later this week, except mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malik Neighbors won't be among them. Both of them tapping out in terms of working out for teams will be there, uh, but will not work out for teams. Which We talked about the, the Harrison, and there was kind of a, a whole series of reports on Harrison yesterday. 
that he wasn't even going to Indianapolis. That was quickly uh, corrected by Albert Breer from SI. It said mm-hmm. he will go, he will participate in interviews, but won't do anything in terms of workouts. Yeah. And it looks like Malik Neighbors is, is following that uh, example. Well, it, it seems like with Adunze, Malik Neighbors, and Marvin Harrison Jr., there seems to be um, a split a difference in opinions over what is the order, who who's the best. Uh, there are people who look at Malik Neighbors and his 4-3 speed, and, and if you watch some of his highlight films or his highlight reel stuff from LSU last year, it's sick the way he gets into his routes, and, and his get-off speed is rare. I mean, rare. So you've got a burner in Malik Neighbors, but he's six feet tall. You've got a guy in Marvin Harrison Jr. who's not as fast, but he's six foot four. I, I remain of the belief that if you're talking flavors and you're talking need and what the Cardinals are looking for, the bigger the receiver, the better, the the bigger the catch radius yes. for Kyler Murray, the better. And not just because Kyler Murray is is diminutive, fancy word for short. It's not just because Kyler Murray is short by NFL standards. It's because as a quarterback, he's scrambling and moving a lot. Those quarterbacks don't have good technique. Those quarterbacks don't put the ball in the bread basket every single time. No. Catch radius is important to guys like that. Yeah. Um, we talked to Monty Austinfort uh, last week during Newsmakers Week, and one of the questions posed to Monty was, hey, fourth overall pick, wide receivers, a plenty uh, in that position, what do you think about this crop? Yeah, I mean, I think all three of those guys are very talented players, you know, and I think, um, you know, we're sitting there at four. Um, you know, obviously it's not, it, it, we don't like being at four, right? We don't mm-hmm. want to be at four again. And unfortunately, uh, we're at four this year, but that also provides opportunities, right? And so, you know, we're going to sit there and we're going to, whether it's a wide receiver, who those three guys that you mentioned are all three very talented players, there's no question. Yeah, um, so he's obviously not going to give too many deep thoughts Mm -hmm. on that. Obviously, they're talented. The interesting part of all of this, with no Harrison and no neighbors, Roma Dunze, who's in that mix as well, is running and is working out for teams in Indianapolis. So, you know, we talked about it yesterday with Marvin Harrison Jr. Working out, does that benefit him at all? Mm -hmm. He knows he's going to be a high pick. Something could go wrong. It could affect his own stock. Could the, the... you know, reverse of that be true too for Roma Dunze. Could he elevate his stock by running a four three five or whatever he, it is? He could do it realistically. He could do it artificially because because you know how this league works. Nothing is more important than the television product and 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 the people involved in broadcasting and packaging in creating what the combine looks like on television. You better bet they're going to elevate everybody who shows up and tries because they're going to want to create incentive for guys to make this more of a priority going forward. So if, if you're Marvin Harrison Jr. and you're Malik Neighbors and you're sitting at home, don't be surprised if people are just gushing over Roma Dunze. Yeah. This, the, oh, maybe he's the best guy in the class. Football guy. Football guy. Loves football. Not afraid to put in the work. Right. Not afraid to show up and put it out there. Yeah. Uh, Matt Miller is a draft analyst for ESPN. He was on with Wolf and Luke last week and he uh, had a report that said, there are teams that favor ma- uh, favor neighbors. That's hard to say. Over Marvin Harrison Jr. Here was uh, here was more elaboration on that. Uh, I had a report. Several NFL teams think neighbors is the best receiver in this class because he fits their scheme better, right? And so I think that's going to be what it comes down to is. What do you need? What are you looking for at the wide receiver position? All three of these guys can be a wide receiver one. It just depends on, on what you're looking for at that exact position because, you know, they're they're pretty scheme fluid, but 
if you need, you know, six foot four with a catch radius, you know, like a pterodactyl, it's Marvin Harrison. If you need yards after catch, that's Malik Neighbors. I've never, ever seen a pterodactyl with good hands. Ever. <laughs> great wingspan, though. <laughs> yeah, great verticality, too. They puncturing should be more of a defensive specialist yeah. in the NBA yeah. as opposed to a wide receiver. Great receiver's. swooping <laughs> tendencies, Vinny. Quite a ball hawk, that pterodactyl. <laughs> well, and I know because Marvin Harrison Jr. has been on the radar and has been talked about for a full football season as this is the guy. He might be the best prospect at the wide receiver position in the last 20 years. There's a lot of Cardinal fans that have... Their sights set on him, and mm-hmm. anything else would be a disappointment. If they end up with neighbors or a Dunze, and, and, and Matt Miller said something very interesting right there. He might fit the scheme better. Well, look where neighbors came from at LSU. In uh, a scheme, a read option scheme with Jaden Daniels, a very athletic running quarterback, mm-hmm. and put up ridiculous numbers. Mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr., his last year at Ohio State, was in more of a an offense where he shined, certainly, but I don't think he benefited from great quarterback play last year at Ohio State. No. And it wasn't exactly, um, you know, uh, McCord, the, the the quarterback for, for Ohio State, isn't of the same talent level as no, Kyler Murray. No, but if, if, you, if you watch Ohio State's game, there is nobody on their schedule who is able to remotely control Marvin Harris Jr. Mar- sure. Marvin Harrison Jr. So, I, but but again, it's then you start comparing Big Ten and SEC. Is there a difference in the level of play? Maybe a maybe a little in terms of when you get down to the you know the the bottom quadrant of yeah. the league or the conference. Hey, the SEC is yeah. not. Uh, they don't boast the national champions this year. No, it's true. The Big Ten does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And 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 JJ McCarthy, he's he's one of these quarterbacks that that might get artificially inflated because he's well. First of all, Vinny, he's a Michigan man. A Michigan. You got to say it like this. Michigan, Michigan man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he also had a game this year where he threw like six passes. I was in I was in Ann Arbor once. I forget what I was there for. College Town at, at Michigan, and it was like every dude there was wearing argyle sweaters, and it just it was as prepified as you. Yeah, it was really really bad. Um, no, nah, I'm not trying to anger Catch Michigan fans, but yeah, exactly. Yes no. Okay, right. It was everything you might expect it to be. Um, so I, it's interesting to me because at one point in time there were there was this thread that said that this upcoming NFL draft was going to be as predictable as as any you'd find in recent years because quarterbacks one two three and then Marvis, Marvin Harrison Jr. four, then you know was it Brock Bowers that huge tight end out of Georgia mm-hmm. and, and on and on and on and then you know. A couple offensive linemen. If if there's really going to be doubt over who is wide receiver one in this draft, that makes things interesting. I just don't know if there yeah. is. Let's let's not fall for what we always fall everyone for. always falls yeah. for every year at exactly this time of mm-hmm. year. It might be exactly as predictable as everyone thought it was going to be two months ago. Yeah, the question is why do we fall for it every year? Because it's there's a because lo- we're stupid. It's because there's a long time between the end of the season and the draft. So there's a lot of subterfuge. There's a lot of different analysis and stuff like that. There's a lot it's of not talking. Like, it's not like the NBA where there's two weeks after the season ends, they have the NBA draft. That's true. That is true. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell will take us through the big stories on this Tuesday morning in the Rush Hour Reboot here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. We are catching you up on everything you want to know in Valley Sports and beyond. So let's jump in. I am Sarah Kazell with Dan Bickley. Hello. Vince Murata. That, that's an abomination. And Jarrett Carlin. Bull, 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 That's been the Rush Hour Reboot. I sound like I'm having a medical episode, but it was just a social studies question from yesterday. Bull mania. Bull, 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 bull. All right. Let's start with baseball, everybody. Bull ball. Uh, the D-backs and the Rangers face off in spring training action today at Salt River Fields. And Eduardo Rodriguez is making his spring debut for the D-backs. I know both of you, Dan and Vince, are very excited to have him as the number three yes. guy in the D-backs rotation. Uh, not too long ago, the day after pitchers and catchers reported on December, excuse me, February 15th, D-backs manager Tori Lovello said that Rodriguez looks just like he remembered from their time together in Boston a few years ago. Just what I remember. Everything about him is exactly the way it was for me. Um, a, a great teammate, um, an honest, an honest, caring human being, um, and I've loved watching his bullpens. He's trying to duplicate his delivery, land pitches in certain spots, and he's accepting a lot of coaching. Um, he's here to help us win baseball games, and he's going to do that. And here is GM Mike Hazen on Rodriguez helping to fix a gap in last year's team. I'm glad that he's here. We needed to shore up our rotation. Looking back from my standpoint on where I fell short last year, that was certainly going into bullpen games in games four of the CS and the World Series were a problem. And that's something that we're looking to rectify going into this year. All right, where do you guys think the Diamondbacks made the biggest leap in the offseason? Oh, that's it to me. Uh, listen, I, I really like a lot of the pieces that they've added. They kind of like checked every box they needed to check. But when I just step back and, and I add Eduardo Rodriguez to a rotation that features the emergence of Merrill Kelly as a full-blooded killer and the promise of Brandon Foot. Foot. I, I just see the makings. If everything goes well, this rotation might be the best in the game and, and it's going to be what carries the Diamondbacks. That's if everything goes well. Okay. If everything goes well and and, and I look back at the experience last year when the Diamondbacks, even in the postseason, were scrambling for uh, you know to find starting pitchers and had to go to bullpen games. The experience that some of those younger guys got, I think, will pay off this year. But I'm not going to answer the same way. I'm going to say the, the biggest jump to me is at third base. Because that was a crapshoot, trying to find somebody to play third base, even in the World Series, whether it was Longoria or Rivera. Uh, to get Suarez, a guy who's capable of playing 150-plus games at third base, just being out there every day mm-hmm. and putting up big home run numbers. Uh, with all due respect to the upgrade that Eduardo Rodriguez represents, I'm still going there. Mm-hmm. Now, Vic, you are very bullish on this D-back rotation. Do you think this is going to be their biggest strength of all the position groups? Of yeah, all the groups listen, uh, and again, I'm, I'm 
I'm hoping that Zach Allen has got his his arm health mapped out. The fact that he didn't shut it down in the off season, um, it, it's I, and I, I'm just hoping that they we get no issues with that. Now Merrill Kelly had some issues last year. He had the blood co- yeah. clotting. He had the uh, cramping. the cramping issue. The um, no chill zone. Yeah, that's right. And he's I think I think I read somewhere he's on a program from Mayo now to stay hydrated. Oh, right? is that right? Yeah, I think so. You shouldn't drink mayo. No, you really shouldn't. That's not going to Who would do that other than the British? Only Mike Golick Jr. drinks mayo. That one ASU fan. Oh, that one ASU. Behind the curtain of distraction. I just, again, I I just, in in terms of what we saw from Merrill Kelly in the postseason last year was a revelation. Nothing short of that. Zach Allen just called him criminally underrated. So uh, when you talk about that... And what we saw from Merrill Kelly and how hungry he is to be that guy, it it it's it gets me very, very, very excited. It really does. It is the quickest path to victory in the in Major League Baseball, and the Diamondbacks have that. They've got aces in spades. King <gasps> <gasps> wow. Cornball. Cornball alert! That turn of phrase showed a lot of heart. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. You yes, joker. Did. Yes, you did. lines like that you in can, the club. Right? They <laughs> usually use the lines like that. You can find me in the clubs. <laughs> okay. Um, they play the Rangers at 110 today at Salt River Fields. That's the end of that. Uh, let's get to the Cardinals now. We unfortunately have to talk about a tweet from the Cardinals team account yesterday. They posted a cool-looking graphic with a couple photos of Kyler Murray with the caption, quote, our franchise QB. Kind of out of nowhere, um, but I've done some digging since we talked about it earlier in the show, and there's a tweet from the account NFL Rumors that was posted on Saturday, and the tweet said, quote, the Arizona Cardinals have done extensive work on Oregon QB Bo Nix. So this could mm-hmm. possibly be in response to that. Um, I don't know. I, I was not familiar with the NFL Rumors account before now. So I, I don't know how, how viable that, it is. But How that post worked? Look, now you're aware of them. Right. So on ESPN Radio this morning, the unsportsmanlike show was talking about this situation and why the Cardinals would have sent this tweet, and they came up with this theory. It's the reverse psychology, though. It's, but yeah. it is. You're onto something It's giving, here. like, we think he's great. Do you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> we need a name for this, because you are absolutely <laughs> onto It's the vote of confidence. Yes. It's the, it's the athletic it director the vote, saying, you know, I really think that she or he is going to be our coach for the next five years. Oh, you know they're gone. And they immediately went into, how do you think Kyler Murray would fit with the Raiders? Mm. So, does that theory resonate at all with you, trying to hype him up for another team? Listen, I I would say this. As a new entity, that particular radio show has really been off the mark when it comes to kind of uh, observing and understanding Kyler Murray's place on the Cardinals. Mm. They have have had the Cardinals' commitment to Kyler Murray. They've pegged it as very lukewarm, and and I don't believe that's accurate. So, I, I don't believe that show as a collective um, is reading the situation accurately. But that being said, if if there is a Bo Nix available, if there's a Michael Penix available at 27 and the Cardinals take him, that will be a bit pretty clear indication of what they're thinking. Because the Packers did exactly the same with Jordan Love at number 26. What'd you take a quarterback there for? Right. We have all these needs. Well, because we want to replace you. Yeah. Isn't that right, Aaron Rodgers? On the flip side of that, though, the last time this occurred, 2019 for the Arizona Cardinals, and a similar Mm -hmm. post went out, Dan Bickley wasn't buying it. 
He didn't buy it for one second that Josh is our guy. He was the first guy to say the Cardinals should draft Kyler Murray at number one. So... I'm not. No, listen. Not, thank you. I, I I appreciate you giving me my flowers, Vinny. I have, I've got an empty vase over here. It's good to have some. Read, flowers. By the way, read, read the card. Some of, some of my best work. Oh, um, some of your best work. Now, do I believe that the Cardinals have done extensive research on Bo Nix? It's one report. Yeah, they probably should have done, done diligence on, on Bo Nix. Um, he's a good-looking quarterback. And, and, not, and not just a good-looking guy, because he's that, too. But he's I'm a good-looking quarterback. I'm not going to say that I, I'm buying into anything just yet. I'm just considering all options. And I think you're smart for that. You're, you're smart for that because, it, two, again, two things can be uh, uh, right at the same time. The Cardinals can be very appreciative and like Kyler Murray a lot, but not necessarily their guy. Well, yeah. Don't know. The question and, is. And Vinny said it best earlier. Monty Austin Ford last week during Newsmakers Week said, I'm an answer the phone kind of guy. That's right. He He's the last person on earth who still answers his phone, but it's good to know. <laughs> yeah, it is. He told us how much he loved Kyler Murray, loves Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. and said he's always going to answer his phone. Right. That's fair. In this uh, cu- current culture, by the way, am I the only person who's disappointed when their phone rings? Oh. Like, <laughs> like what the hell is that noise? Yes, like, I look at it like... Well, on purpose? Well, and then I put yes. it face down. It's amazing to me that, that a generation now actually is offended when you when you bring their phone. Yes. Oh, you can't. Do, who said you could do that? This better be an emergency. <laughs> What's wrong? People, the least thing people use their phone for is to talk on the that phone. That is true. Oh, true. Yeah. It's very, very, very well said. True. Thanks, Sarah. Rush Thanks, Hour Sarah. Reboot every morning at 730. Coming up next, there's a soap opera that is set in Denver, Colorado. As the rust turns, we'll get into it next. Weekly Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Weekly and Murata. Hash marks. sitting here at 35 say you feel the best you've ever felt do you still have that obsession i got more fire than ever honestly especially over the past two years of what i've gone through whether it's in denver or somewhere else i I hope it's in denver you know i hope i get to finish there i I committed there i wanted to be there you know i want to be there for me it's about winning in the next five years i want to win two i want to feel the chill of that trophy again the city and everything else, but you know you also want to be a place that, that wants you too. So the thing that I I, I want to do is, is, is win. Man. That's all. That's all I care. Russell Wilson, the I Am Athlete Podcast. I know I said as the rust turns, mm-hmm. this is the theme to Young and the Restless. It just worked better. So let's call it the old and the rustless. Huh? Oh, like that? Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Wants to be in Denver. Do they want him there? I don't know. We we will find out. I I don't think Russell Wilson's going back. He no, no, joined- no. He's done in Denver. There, there's no doubt about that. He's done in Denver. It's just a matter of now whether or not w- where he's going to end. I firmly believe that. And there's a lot of people who've looked at the Pittsburgh Steelers as a perfect landing spot because you're basically getting a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl for free. You're, he's going to take the veterans minimum. So if you're a team like the Steelers, you might go, that's exactly the kind of guy we want. We don't want a quarterback slinging the football. We want a dude who knows how to hand off and knows how to make short complaints and knows how to read a defense and 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 we'll take our chances with everything else we have of all the landing spots that seems to make about the most sense to me 
But do you think he's got enough left in his quarterback bag of tricks to help a team like the Pittsburgh? I, yeah, because I don't think I don't think the Steelers want or expect much from their quarterback. They're they're kind of like the Bears for different reasons. And he's definitely an upgrade over what they have. Yeah, that's it wasn't the thing. Awful Not last awful. year. Yeah, no, there was conflicting. I, I think the Broncos at some point decided that he was awful because of the treatment he got at the end of the year when he ended the year on the bench. Well, it's I, I think it's very, very clear that this was not a good mix. And, and a lot of people, myself included, who thought, wow, Sean Payton, perfect guy to to sort of renovate and rehabilitate Russell Wilson. They're just not at all alike. And you could tell the friction between them from day one when when Sean Payton's like, Dude, what's up with you, man? Why? What, what's up with all this shaking hands and kissing babies? What's what's all this image stuff? Why do you care about that? So there's Sean Payton, who's this kind of, you know, get in your face kind of football coach who still does that to a degree that generally isn't tolerated anymore. And you got this quarterback who's just what? Relentlessly uh, positive. At all times, to the point of nausea. Yeah, I mean, I know I just gave you flowers in the previous uh, segment, Uh-oh, but uh, you did predict the Denver Broncos to win a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson in his first year. I there did. Under I did. Nathaniel I Hockey. thought it was going to pop, man. I really did. I thought and, it was a big upgrade too, and it was and, not and man, at all. It was not. Uh, Russell Wilson also in that same I Am Athlete uh, podcast interview said. <laughs> It, it, this would indicate that he's not necessarily sold on the fact that he's done in Denver. Has to do with his house. Where you gonna live, though, Russ? Your house is gonna be sold. My house ain't for sale. That, that you can't Wait, man, man, what you talking about? I go on Instagram right now to say Russell Wilson's house is for sale. Yeah, that is not for sale. It's not on the market right now. People, people think that I'm out of there, but you know, maybe I am. But no matter what, like I, I love to go back, you know. But you know, I, I committed there. You know, I committed to be there. I committed to win championships. I want to win more Super Bowls there. You know, I, I love the city and everything else. But you know, you also want to be a place that that wants you too. Yeah, and that's that might be the right, rub. right. Then there's this, uh, there's a new element to the story that I that I find very, very fascinating. I don't know whether it was a part of this podcast or something different, but um, a lot of people were shocked at when Sean Payton visibly started dressing him down during games, screaming at him, yelling at him, getting in his face. There's a belief from Russell Wilson that Sean Payton and the Broncos were trying to goad him into clapping back into lashing back at Sean Payton, thereby giving the Broncos permission to bench him and suspend him for conduct detrimental to the team, thereby willing to flush that contract that he had. Now, wouldn't that be, and again, would you put that past Sean Payton? Because I wouldn't. Look, I'm not a Russell Wilson fan. Yeah. But if that was, that's pretty, that's pretty diabolical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, is it smart for Russell Wilson to voice that at this point? Probably, probably not. not. No, probably not. <laughs> but again, the visuals of it were like, wait a minute, this guy's been playing well for you. Why are you in his face like this? I'm embarrassing him on national television. And that's what Russ thinks. Now, again, maybe it's conspiratorial, but maybe it's not. Maybe Russ is, uh, maybe Russ is a lot more intuitive and street smart than he gives off. 
than the cornball brother that he likes to come off as. Maybe. Amina uh, Kimes from ESPN uh, talked about the lack of a plan in place for the Broncos to move on from Russ if that's what they want to do. It's tricky for Denver. This isn't like the Bears where when we talk about them moving on from fields. It's very obvious why. Uh, there isn't a very clear path for the Broncos to their quarterback of the future. There, there's a few options, though. One would be to just take a bridge quarterback like Jacoby Brissett, for example, uh, and who won't cost a ton of money, uh, to get them past this point where they're still paying Russell Wilson a lot of money, even though he's not on the team, if they were to let go of him. Another option would be to hope uh, a quarterback they like falls to them at pick 12. But that's a tricky spot, Hannah, because not only are they behind a bunch of teams at the top of the draft who are going to take probably the top three quarterbacks uh, in Chicago, Washington, and New England, they're also behind Minnesota, which is another team I think a lot of us expect to be eyeing that next group of quarterbacks in the draft. So they might have to potentially jump the Vikings to get in Atlanta, who I mentioned earlier, is ahead of them as well. Yeah, Mina Kimes mentions 12 is a tricky spot for a draft if you want to get your quarterback. But that's a spot where McCarthy could go from Michigan. I've seen him in, you know, in a lot of the mocks and projections kind of in that neighborhood. Uh, now, would he be there at 12? I don't know. We do know the quarterbacks get elevated every year, so maybe he's a single-digit draft pick. We, we'll find out, and, and the Broncos would have to maneuver. Uh, it, it is clear. She's right. It's not as easy yeah. as, as the Bears moving on from yeah. Justin Fields. Yeah, listen, I, I think I think that um, I think Sean Payton, I've heard Sean Payton is one of these guys that is in the Bo Nix camp. That that he would love that kid to mold that guy, you know. But Sean Payton gets weird ideas. You remember Taysom Hill in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and and how how the he was valued more by Sean Payton than anybody else in the I, NFL. I think you just solved the problem right at the end of the discussion. Taysom Hill, quarterback in the future for your Denver <laughs> yeah, right. Broncos. Right. What about a Joshua Dobbs? Oh, yeah. Where is he Josh Dobbs? He can hold the fort down for about three weeks. What about a where's Joshua pa- Rosen? Where's the pastronaut? <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> Coming up next, the 8 o'clock hour gets underway, which in which we will talk to Kurt Warner and Bobby Hurley. But it starts fire with the Bickley Blast. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.